Hey, welcome to Tech Lido. This podcast is basically the everyday stuff an average person thinks about, raw and honest, filled with humor and wit. We chat about creativity, leadership, entrepreneurship, failure and success. Things which needs deep discussions but lighter moments. So it's me Kazim joined by some amazing industry experts. friends occasionally to talk about some great topics that we otherwise don't discuss in a candid manner every sunday a new episode so i would love you all to join me hi nigel my friend thanks for joining me this morning welcome uh, to tech lido and uh, how are you keeping up i'm keeping up very well how about yourself Ah not bad not bad at all i think we are in the crazy times of of this lockdown uh and the world has changed so i think we are getting used to the new normal i would say you know definitely uh, and and how is how is there in the uk uh, everything good oh it's been amazingly bad uh we, <laughs> lockdown's been uh, it's been i've had a pretty good lockdown but a lot of people haven't um lots of carnage lots of chaos hopefully things are going to start settling down soon mm-hmm. um but i as you said before i just don't know what what the future looks like i don't know what that new normal will be i hope everyone across the globe um come out of this horrible virus uh we get back to our normal lives uh to meet our friends or family um uh, and um, defeat this this crazy uh virus or pandemic uh so With that said, I wanted to ask you what led you into this agile coaching career. Um how did you get into this agile world? So it it's been a it's been a long journey. <laughs> so I started work in sort of the mid to late 90s as a software developer. So that so that was my first job and to be fair, hand on heart, that's how I still think of myself. I can't program for toffee anymore, but I still think I still think of myself like a software developer. I started off in a uh, large company, large enterprise company, a nice graduate job for a few years as a graduate software developer uh, for British Telecom. then over years i worked there as a developer and in about the early 21st century about 2002 2003 somewhere around there uh, i was on a project with a, a range of other colleagues and the project was not going well it was um it was a clever idea uh, that wasn't quite coming together when we were building it and so we were late and we um, as a traditional waterfall project all planned up front and the project manager if i remember correctly didn't tell the customers that we were going to be late and so it was a bit of a surprise for them when we were very late all of a sudden we have and we so, have so many of such uh, you know uh, we have so yeah. many of such project managers so don't worry and so and so that that manager uh, found a new role <laughs> for someone else moved moved on slightly and uh my boss who was my team leader was jeff watts uh he uh, had heard from one of our colleagues a guy called John McNeil a contractor we had now John had been on uh, a a scrum training course so he said oh there's a thing called scrum that we could try now what i didn't know at the time was John was on i think one of the first scrum courses in europe mm-hmm. and probably in the first sort of dozen scrum courses on earth so it was quite it was quite new um but we didn't know this so uh, Jeff said oh this sounds like a good idea um is there a course i can go on and john said of course there is and jeff went on that course jeff came back saying 
oh my gosh, this Agile thing's amazing. We should really go with it and give it a go on this project. And so we didn't know it was new. We didn't know it was unusual. We just thought, oh, this is a thing the Americans do. It looks good. Let's do it. And we started doing it. And it went really well. To be fair, it went really, really well. And that was sort of my introduction to Agile. And so we did that for a while, then did some other things for a while. And uh, about a year or so later, British Telecom, the company, started waking up to Agile. Okay. Sorry, at the start, we, 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 uh, we were doing this on the sly. Uh, I'm not going to say we would have got fired if they discovered us doing it, but we, we never said, <laughs> told anyone we were. It was very sort of viral, you know, behind the scenes. And about a year or so later, the company kind of woke up to it and went, oh, this Agile thing seems good. I think we had a new CTO who said, oh, I want to do this Agile thing. I don't know what it is, but let's do it. And so the company scrabbled around for Agile experts. And lo and behold, there I was sat, a Scrum Master. In a, I had turned into Scrum Master by this time of a Scrum team. And they said to me, Nigel, do you want to um, help other people uh, do Agile? Be like an Agile coach or something. And I said the magic words, um, is it more money? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll get a pay rise and stuff. So I was like, I would love to be an agile coach. This, I've always wanted this, really. I've always wanted this and became a coach for them. And then after that, after a few years doing that, I became an independent coach. And I've been an independent coach ever since. So that was about, so I've been doing that now independently for about 13, 14 years. Wow. Wow. And that's a quite a journey in itself, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have seen the transformation of uh, the whole agile uh, mm-hmm. thinking and mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think uh, agile, uh, w- what makes agile such a good methodology? Like why uh, companies want to have agile, why they are behind making their organizations completely agile training, spending so much of monies mm-hmm. uh, for, for the customers, for their um, employees. Why do you think that? Well, there's been different reasons for different times. So for me, in terms of the Agile movement, um, what makes it so good is so broad church. It's not like a one way of doing things. Like you've got something like Scrum, which is one particular method in that Agile umbrella, very popular method. But even that doesn't really tell you how to do much. It's It's all quite light and thin, which gives you a lot of flexibility about how you do it, which is quite nice. The trouble with being light and thin is it gives it well, lots of flexibility about how you do it, which is also a big problem. And so um, what I think many organizations have done with Agile, when I first got involved as like a coach with them, let's say 13 years ago, companies were going Agile because they were in trouble. Like they had a they had a sense of urgency. Maybe they were not making enough money. Maybe their products were dying off. Whatever, the, there was some sort of pressure in their environment and they were looking for something. Well, frankly, looking for anything that could make their lives a bit better. These days, it seems to be uh, the corporations that are going agile more these days have been very much, they've been in the happy place. <laughs> They're going agile because other people are going agile. And it's one of the worst reasons ever, like peer pressure. But I'm, to be frank, I've worked with some banks and they've been going agile because other banks have gone agile. Not because they want to be quicker, not because they want more value, not because they want to reduce risk, purely because the bank over the road is going agile and they go, ooh, we can't miss out and are trying it as well. And the trouble with that type of approach is there's no real motivation. Like in the early companies, they were, they, they, we need to change or we're in trouble. So everyone had a sense of urgency, a sense of we need to change. We've got to do this together. In these other corporations, these enterprises going agile, it's very much, 
carrying on as he used to, status quo. And so that, that sense of urgency is far less. And my concern in those places is they can get a lot of this stuff um, a bit wrong. You know, they get it, they, they sort of take it, they do it sort of half-baked, as I would say, and they end up not getting the value from it, but getting some of the risks of it. Uh, and and I think you made a very important point about banking. Uh, I think banks are the least uh, organizations who want to, to go <laughs> agile. Yeah. I've worked in bank before, so I know yeah. <laughs> the pains of it, right? Yeah. Uh, and then telling them, but more than that, having the agile process is a different thing. And then mm. changing the mindset of, of yeah. the people working is a different thing, right? Mm. So is are you telling me that these banking uh, systems or the banks started realizing that that they want to change in this uh, in this uh, uncertainty times well the, the banking is interesting because they're undergoing huge pressure they're having digital transformation after all the concept of the branch is gone uh, one bank i was involved with they said we're no longer a bank we're now a technology company because if you think wow. about it <laughs> basically they're the app on the phone now then they're getting with their branches they're getting with their managers their clerks they're basically going to be an app on the phone so their competition is things like spotify not things like it used to be and so they're under they are under huge pressure um in terms of mindset i think it's fascinating because a lot of the agile stuff in terms of like mindset is i don't know it seems quite natural to me and maybe that's just me looking at it from my point of view. But a lot of the stuff is things like communicate frequently, you know, um, build evidence, run experiments, you know, get learn. You know, this sort of concept. And so it's not something that should be alien to anyone, really. I'm not. Um, maybe some organizations have accidentally designed themselves to make the system not learn very well. Mm-hmm. But as a human being, you learn every day. You know, yeah. I won't take that turning. I can't get to work that way. The traffic's bad. You know, and so, so in terms of uh, what I think in terms of market, uh, I don't, I don't tend to come across people who are like, oh, I don't believe in learning. I don't believe in talking. What I do is I come across people who are constrained by the organisation. So they spend twenty years somewhere, and the systems made them do X. So it's hard to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And so for them, it's not so much changing their mindset, it's just changing the system around them to allow their mind <laughs> to be what it actually naturally is, you know, as an empowered professional rather than treated like a child. And so you see what I mean? So it's not so much like, hey, you need to think differently. It's more, hey, what can we do in the environment around you to make it better so you can think more naturally? That sort okay. of thing. Okay, and 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 Nigel, uh, uh, doing this these these times, right? Uh, yeah. Companies are running behind, hiring mm-hmm. agile coaches, scrum masters, product owners. Mm-hmm. What in your eyes is an ideal agile coach? When when I say an ideal agile coach, is because yeah. there are so many um, uh, training institutes who yeah. give you scrum certifications. Yeah. Uh, they make you product owner, like in probably in one session itself. What what is the gold standard? Like I know if if you want to become a Scrum master, a product owner, you have to go to Scrum.org, uh, Scrum.Alliance, and those two are yeah. the the gold standards of the certification yeah. within the agile world, right? But also when you when you dissect and go deep into the organization, you have technical agile coaches, then you have process management agile coaches, and then you have non-directive coaches. Like what do you think? is the right way of approach to this and uh, uh, what people have to look in for a certification as well. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> how controversial do I want to be? So I'm an agile coach. <laughs> so my, I'm an agile coach, right? I think agile coaching is probably an anti-pattern. 
right? It's probably actually not a good thing. It's a short-term workaround other organizational problems. So for me, uh, the best agile coach would be scrum masters. Actually, people on the ground working with teams, it's their job, it's their company. They've been there a while. They are people who live and breathe the organization. We, we, we want them to have coaching skills, we want them to have facilitation skills, we want to have change agency skills. Because you see, um, there's a famous line in consultancy, which uh, I don't know if it, it translates very well, but it's, um, they say you've got, you know, Americans make, you know, Americans have pickles. They make them out of cucumbers. They sort of put them in vinegar and they pickle the cucumbers. And the joke in terms of consultancy is, remember, the cucumber gets pickled far quicker than the vinegar gets cucumbered. The idea be as a change agent, when you go in to change an organization, you are far more likely to be changed by the organization than change the organization. <laughs> um, I think you know, Nietzsche said it best when fighting monsters, beware that you do not become a monster because when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares into you. Oh. <laughs> the idea is so you are changed by the company. So this model that many organizations are doing, they're getting people like me, hiring them in as contractors, putting them on uh, the first level with some scrum teams. So, hey, you've got nine scrum teams to coach and they accept, they expect that to be successful. And all that, that's just bad for everyone. You know, I have no personal responsibility for the company. Me to nine teams is far too low a ratio. I can't handle that many teams. I'm not involving management. Management sitting above without changing. So in terms of agile coaching, the best way to make it work is to actually get that sort of those other roles working well. So if you get scrum masters, they're coaches, they're on the ground embedded coaches. If you get them working well, now you've got a sea of them, an actual flood of them. It's not one agile coach. You've got like 15, 20, 30 in large organizations, hundreds of scrum masters who can all work together on problems. How cool is that, right? That's what we're looking for. And then those people can help product owners who can help set vision. So what I want in a good agile coach, because we exist and we are trying our best. I want agile coaches to be aware the important word in agile coach isn't agile, it's coach. So your job is not to be the head of everything, not to be the lead, not to be the God. Your job as an agile coach is to enable others. So coach supposedly comes from the term coach, like an actual coach, like an easing of transport. Um, that's what a coach should be thinking. How do I ease their learning? How do I, how do I make their journey easier? How do I help them get to a certain point? So good agile coaches, of course, they need to have deep agile knowledge right because otherwise they would things get really sticky they won't be able to actually offer point help but they also need to have coaching skill i would suggest also need to have a bit of um humility so i, I mention it all the time but a bit of humbleness um it doesn't mean thinking less of yourself it just means thinking of yourself less by acting by not being the king the master the lord acting humbly with servant leadership then that coach can make sure they're enabling others to success, whether it's senior management, etc. And that's the final thing. I'd want a coach that can work top to bottom. Someone who can talk to someone on the ground and talk to a senior leader and not necessarily change their tone, but be able to communicate to all levels. I think you made a very important point there. Uh, uh, let me go back to the word, the term yeah. servant uh, leader, right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. That was coined by Robert K. Greenleaf. Um, yeah, yeah. 
in his essay and it's a brilliant essay you know back yeah. in 1970s when you think yeah. about that and he mentioned and i quote the servant leader is servant first it begins yeah. with the natural mm. feeling that mm. one wants to serve right to serve first then conscious choice bring one to aspire to lead that person is sharply different from one who yeah. is the leader first so the different manifests itself in the care taken by the servant first to make sure that other people's highest priority needs are being served so yeah. with what you just said the leader or the agile coach or the scrum masters have to be servant leaders in yeah. order to help the teams deliver the product the the project whatever they have and remove the impediments that come across them is that is what you are uh, implying on yeah definitely and in fact i've been pushing recently to take the servant leadership concept further to actually take it into product management so our product owners historically have always been very uh, well originally they were senior business people of high power low it interest okay so you have a product owner who was like a fat cat who um who knew all the business knew all the subject matter expertise didn't have much time for you as a technologist and so you would have to work with them and sort of bring them in and help coach them a bit and over the years product owner in many organizations has become a renamed ba a renamed business analyst which is not good because the analyst has got all the skills but not the power to actually make decisions say yes or no which is the key thing in the job to be able to say yes or no um so what i'm looking to do is somehow sort of square that a little bit so i've been doing some work in terms of bringing servant leadership to product owner so i want my product i don't want to be fat cats right but i don't want them to be bas <laughs> i don't want them to be just be leaders i don't want them to be servants i want them to be both a servant leader someone who can listen to their stakeholders you know really hear what they're saying you know someone who can work with the wider um customer community not just um <laughs> abuse them but actually hear what the customers are saying treat that customer community like that their community these are the, this is their this is their team the customers of their teams how can i help you we're working together on this we're building something bigger and better and so bringing that sort of that greeny thinking to that servant leadership space to product management i think that should be one of the areas um i would be saying this of course i mean that i'm doing it but just generally i think that's something as an industry we're not uh pushing enough on agile about how to spread the sort of the the values the principles to other roles not just within our own space yeah and then some companies they tell they are agile right and yeah. and then they bring agile coaches they get the yeah. teams trained and then yeah. they modify the scrum according yeah. to their needs they change it's like me yeah. having a cappuccino but i want to add hot chocolate into that and yeah. then name it a fancy name right yeah. so yeah. you like you seem to work with diverse teams and yeah. with diverse companies yeah. uh, how do you get grips with 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 the different technologies and practices and and it goes out to the agile coaches who wants to be agile coaches like how yeah. how yeah. technical they have to be to be in this role right and how yeah. how technical they have to be in order to solve the problems they they may not be technical person at all but do they have to have a basic understanding of the terminology that that the teams they are working in and how does it go from there I would I know a lot of great coaches who are not technical people right so the coaching is a people skill not a technical role right so it's about people 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 having said all that I love technology and that's what gets me up in the morning I I'm, I'm genuinely interested and inspired by working with those companies I I'm I find their products fascinating it's something I like and so that gives me a sort of sense of purpose to work there you know I love people but I love people working on really cool products is even better for me so I would say 
having high level of skill in technology may it will be nice not essential having a love of technology i think would probably be quite important in that space in terms of uh, what we're trying to do, trying to bring that sense of uh, motivation for ourselves again i do see so last couple of years i've been writing a lot about agile coaching and i don't know why just i have it's just a lot of agile coaches aren't right they're not agile they're not coaches okay <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 they're sort of they in the nicest possible way they are um dogmatic uh, and they are they have an opinion and they share that opinion and um i'm just very nervy in our space about trying to actually just make sure people we don't all have to be therapists we don't all have to be sort of super ninja coaches just being humans who are humble who listen and help others that's what i think i'm i'm really looking for in this space so like um i what i don't want is someone having all the answers you know i think we shouldn't have all the answers we should be able to help others find their answers having said that being stupid doesn't help <laughs> so having some knowledge in the space just keeps you away from dangerous um things uh yeah basically uh, one one of the key principles of agile management is the personal communication right um the most efficient and effective method of conveying information to and within a development uh, team or a product team is face to face conversations yeah. mm. uh, that is what agile manifesto says mm. basically mm. but this practice has not been practicable since we we hit this covid-19 crisis so there's remote work um, and i think yeah. most of us will be working remotely for foreseeable future mm-hmm. but distributed teams work and communicate in in a fundamentally different way than mm-hmm. teams that sit together in one place right yeah. and yeah. how does this affect the work of coaches and consultants and the projects in the company um, and how they have to learn from this this uh, unreal or uh, situation Well, I think it's, there's two interesting things there. So the first one's about remote working, because actually I, I'm going to challenge that a little bit, because I've been discovering being remote working. I've never talked to as many people as much as I have recently. Um, but in terms of me, uh, in terms of my job, I'm doing a lot less at the moment. because it's very much a face to face role. I'm doing some training, that's fine, we can do it like this on Zoom, it's great, you can buy it out there. Um, but in terms of coaching, a lot less. and that seems to be something that's um reflected across the industry during the covid crisis there's a lot of good coaches sat at home at the moment waiting for opportunities because companies just two things one is hard to coach virtually but even more important than that companies have got different focuses at the moment they're trying to survive you know companies are going bankrupt left right and center so they take their that 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 the agile thing is a nice to have at the moment that they've shoveled to one side just so they can basically just keep the lights on for the next few months so i so in terms of what how we work what's going to interest me is in the uk at least as we progress out of this sort of chaos into more complex environments how we actually adjust to that new normal as coaches I think now I don't think people have really got there yet um uh, but that's going to be something we'll have to explore soon I think. Uh, how has the how has the process changed in from where it started uh, the oh. word scrum and how it has changed and evolved uh, has any new um uh you know process been brought in into the agile have they changed or we are sticking back to to the basics or to the to the real uh, scrum uh Tom, that uh, that Ken Schwaber uh, and Jeff Sutherland coined, you know. 
Yeah, so it, it's it's fascinating in terms of um, what's happened with Scrum. And so, so I did a lot of research on this years ago. I did some presentations on the history of Scrum, and it was just for my own experiences. And then I've spoken to some other people around right at the start of Scrum. And if you actually speak to those people at the start of Scrum, like the legend that gets told is not necessarily what actually happened, right? A lot of Scrum, it turns out, is not invented by clever um, people that we know, like Schwaber and Sutherland. It was actually invented by the first Scrum teams on the ground. It was actually a genuine team-based creation. They have, uh, Jeff and Ken have curated it, you know, so they've sort of taken it and shared it. But as I always say, um, imagine you were the first human being to see an elephant. And you were like, oh my God, that's a really bloody big mouse. Yeah. Uh, So you're the first human to see an elephant, okay? Maybe you name it elephant, but... The elephant was here before you. <laughs> that elephant's been around a while. You just because you were the first one to see it doesn't mean you invented it. And so what I found interesting in terms of Scrum is the curation of it. So at the start, it was far more flexible. There are still papers online where you can find out where there was a weird and wonderful things in it. And over the time, Scrum has got thinner and thinner and thinner. Mm-hmm. So basically, things have been taken out. So in the early days of Scrum, they had things like sync steps, which are like um, almost proto-requirements. So they've been deleted. Burndown charts were deleted about 16 years ago. They're still good, just they're not compulsory. Mm-hmm. Um, the one major thing that was added was just before, just as Scrum was becoming famous, um, retrospectives were added. Oh, okay. So that was the last major addition to Scrum, was brought in by Esther Derby. Um, the idea of the retrospective concept came to Scrum, as all became added at the end. And if you look at some of the early Scrum literature and books, you can see how that sort of evolves from being just a review to sort of being a meeting with two parts to now what it is which is two separate meetings no the review and retrospective so you can sort of see that history of evolution but generally scrum's got thinner over time um will it get any thinner is an interesting question uh, so what what do you think is the levels of coaching um uh, I mean, the competencies of the coaching has to be uh, when we are when we are getting into. Imagine it's in a startup, right? Yeah. And startup, they have their own stuff. Like they have Kanban, and and they're not large organization. There are five yeah. to six people yeah. or ten people. They know yeah. what they're yeah. doing, and they just do it. Um, mm. When it comes to like major corporations, yeah. what levels of coaching that they expect from the agile coaches? And what are the competencies they look out when you are bringing the agile coach to coach their teams? I mean, these teams, like as yeah. you said, maybe yeah. not from the management or maybe yeah. not from the ground level, maybe middle yeah. management. Yeah. But how do we get the message out to the leadership as well uh, and yeah. also the ground level as a coach? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because I think a lot of organizations, if you look at the job descriptions, they're, not, they're advertising for what they think they want, not what they need. <laughs> um, and so, and, and the way they employ people, they will end up hiring the people they think they want, not what they need. So for instance, a coach will be hired because they sound very, like me, they sound verbose and intellectual and have all these ideas when actually you may want a coach to not be like that. You want a coach to be humble and listen and help people find their own answers. But that doesn't come across well in, in, a, in, a, in an interview or in a, in a review session in terms of skill set i would say um the more senior if you're going to have coaches work with leadership they need to speak leadership they need to speak the organization's language you Mm -hmm. cannot jargon i know a a guy who i won't name because of podcast but he um very senior role in a very big organization uh head of agile thing and um he did a pitch to his new ceo in just jargon and within months, he was gone. <laughs> As a CEO, I had no idea what he was talking about. It's like, what? 
so speak the organization's language you know that would be the key thing for me in terms of leadership speak it don't, don't dumb it down that they, they're not stupid they're very clever people but speak in their language don't just jargon them to death mm-hmm. uh, so in terms of leadership i think that's really important about communicating the right way to the right people and in terms of just um um, uh, uh, coaching in general is understanding sort of Rudyard Kipling stuff, you know, who, why, what, when, where, you know, how, understand the round of what they're, where they're coming from, what they're trying to do, why they're trying to be like that. And if you can understand the rounded behavior, especially in middle management, it can really help coaching there because a lot of middle managers look like they're acting in a very strange way and they're not it's the system has forced them into that box and if you know what's forcing them into those behaviors you can help them find better behaviors you can't just say oh like she's silly because she doesn't want to do x you're actually oh now i see why she doesn't want to do x because the organization's pushing her in that direction and so understanding that and be able to sort of communicate with them there's loads of good tools out there um you know things like um like coaching models like, you know, uh, Grow or um, uh, the Scarf, the famous David Rock Scarf model. These are all good to help understand what motivates people, etc. But I do think just being a reasonable human being adds a lot. <laughs> and so, you know, just being a reasonable human being, just listening. Yeah. I think it just really helps in those situations. It can help you get quite far. It's not, um, it's, as you can see, which is how much I'm talking here. Listening is a skill that some of us have to learn. Okay. Um, you know, you've got two ears and one mouth. So, you know, like, sh- you know, be shut up a bit and let listen a bit. And I think that can generally in coaching, that can be a very powerful technique that isn't used enough. Well, one thing, one thing um, I, uh, I also wanted you to throw some lighters. Yeah. What typical challenges have you encountered and, and what, and how have you overcome? Like when I say, when I ask this question is like, for example, you trained um, um, a company, a big corporation, yeah. like about 10 teams. Yeah. And after you give your energy and time to them and they come back after like one month and look, Nigel, it's not working for us. You know, yeah. uh, have you come into that situation anytime? And how did you overcome that? And yeah. then how did you go and about this, that? Yeah. And this is the trouble of commercials. So, um, so in terms of Scrum Alliance, it does certifications, etc. So these days, because uh, agile coaching has become quite um, commoditized, okay. So I do a lot more training than coaching these days. So people bring me in for two days, and I'll give them two days training, and they'll get all these good ideas, but they don't bring me back. They'll 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 have their own internal coach handling it. And so my concern is, we get them going. It's like. I'm a huge fan of Star Wars, okay? You can see behind me, I've got Darth Vader up there, yeah. Darth Vader himself. Um, in Star Wars, right, Luke Skywalker gets introduced to the Force by Obi-Wan Kenobi. So he gives him a few days, hey, here's the Force, it's really cool. Then Obi-Wan Kenobi's dead. Spoiler alert, sorry, spoilers. Um, and then, then, then Luke's a bit stuck. He has to go find another teacher. Right, I do feel a bit like Obi Wan Kenobi sometimes. So I give them this introduction, I get people going, I introduce the force, and then just as it's getting interesting, <sighs> so for me, um, I know things are working better when they do as you described. They come back to me a few weeks later and say, "We've got palms that's not working," because that's <laughs> that's the real. That's why I can really add value. I say, "Okay, let's talk about what's actually going on here. Let's have a chat about it. Let's." Uh, yeah, let's work on that. And so that's what I really, really, really like. Um, I don't think enough organizations do it. Um, I really like that. Um, what I would say is these days we're getting more and more advanced people on our training courses. So our courses are naturally skewing. So my, for instance, I do like um, 
all these different like Scrum Alliance courses, Scrum Master, Product Owner, but there's advanced courses these days as well, like advanced Scrum Master, advanced Product Owner, like Servant Lead, uh, Agile Leadership and all this. But coming on those Scrum Master courses, those introduction Scrum Master courses are quite advanced people these days. So if you go back 10 years, that course was very different in tone. Similar subjects, but how we spoke about it and what we spoke about was a lot, uh, I'm not going to say lower, it was more fundamental than some of the conversations we have now in those workshops when they can go quite um, quite advanced these days because the people are coming in with more background behind them. So that those training workshops become almost like that second phase coaching I always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But generally, it's the risk of separating training and coaching out. So in terms of Agile Bear, our company, we would love to sell to people integrated stuff or we're just not getting enough. We're not, we used to do it a lot. Uh, these days it happens a lot less because people are buying their own coaches internally. But actually that, that, that whole end-to-end value of training, coaching, mentoring as a long-term endeavor, I think uh, companies miss out on a bit at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then what has been the most enjoyable uh, aspect of your work and your journey as an agile coach or uh, agile leader? Uh, is, it, is it when people come and say, oh, man, Nigel, you really helped us. Is that the satisfaction that you get out of this? Uh, that is nice. That, that is nice. I've had a few times people say to me, oh, the best one is because the Agile community started quite small. So I've had a couple of people who are good, reasonable names on the community. And they go, oh, I was coached by Unk, who was coached by Unk, who was coached by you. And so it's like, it's like, you can see the chain of like training. Oh, so I, I coach them, they coach you. And, and, oh, that's like that, that connectivity feels really nice having those relationships. Um, I once had a guy come up to me in a lift in Heathrow. So he said to me, are you Nigel Baker? I said, yes. He said, oh, I saw you speak at one of the scrum gathering conferences. I was like, oh, did you? He goes, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> so it sort of burst my pompous balloon straight away it was like oh okay thanks i tell you what i really like this i love working with people i love helping people um i had one lady uh i actually trained for free she was just starting work again after maternity leave for a long time so i i gave her free space on a course and now she's an agile coach making genuine change in organizations that's great to see but i a techie at heart so in the end i love seeing a good product launched so I love people, but I also, if I can see good people working together, building a good product that I like, that goes out to market and does well, that makes me feel good. Because in the end, having happy people is one thing, but having happy people that are making money for things and are keeping their jobs and everyone's, you know, the entire value stream's happy, that's when I get a real, real buzz. That's why I'm really, really content. And what, what do you have to say for these young entrepreneurs and, and these uh, young recruiters who look for an agile coach with crazy uh, job specs, like 20 years of agile coach experience, um, <laughs> transforming uh, different teams? Uh, what do you have to say for those? folks out there you know i'll just say what are you actually looking for what do you need help with what what's because you don't want to be agile you want to be good you want to be effective you want to be great agile is like it's like saying i want to be fit great i want you to be fit too why do you want to be fit 
you know you want to be fit and healthy that's great what's the reason behind it if you know the reason behind it that can really help people focus what they're trying to do for you in terms of the like the startup and the entrepreneur stuff i see a lot more agile coaching in the fuzzy front end space so not much with delivery but more the you know um testing business ideas running experiments you know um uh, getting feedback from prototypes and wizard of oz vaporware all the tricks of the trade doing more stuff in that space ways of drawing learning in and getting that that fed back more than the construction stuff the actual building with the stuff which is quite easy there's three of you in the garage so in terms of we um years ago we did something called scrum dragon i think it's still on our website but no one buys it recently but we were when we first started out we were trading um equity for coaching so because a startup's not got much money and coaches used to be expensive. So what we would do in the old days, we would say, look, okay, you give us like 3% of the company. So not much. You give us like 3% and we'll coach you for 10 days. And so they'll use the coaching, not 10 days on one go, but use that coaching over a long period of time to help them. So we've got all these little percentages of like these small startups that never went anywhere. But you never know, one of them could have turned into Twitter. Uh, but that's what we did. So we were sort of having skin in the game. We weren't outsiders just taking their venture capital money. We were actually helping them grow and be part of the experience. I remember as well, um, um, I was um, I was part of one of the small startup and mm-hmm. uh, I knew those guys, they were out of the college, they were out of the university and they were building some this AI product. And uh, one of the guys came to me, Kazim, uh, yeah. can you help us on the yeah. building of the product? Like, you know, we yeah. had to take the product from concept to the market. Yeah. Can you help us on the strategy mm-hmm. and everything? And then... Uh, after after saying that, he said, like, I can't pay you. <laughs> and I was like, it's, it's all right, man. I'm still going to coach yeah. you guys. You know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's fine. It's not all about yeah. the money and anything. Yeah. And um, as I was working with them, um, I realized that they've not thought about the product thoroughly, mm. what they want out of the product. It's just mm. an idea sitting in a coffee shop, like, okay, guys. Yeah. And that is how most of the startups start. I, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. But once you're working in the ground level and yeah. start building that, right, you need to have the strategy yeah. and you have to use the concepts and, 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 and the agile uh, in, a, in a better way, you know, yeah. actually to make it more successful. Yeah. So I completely agree with you, yeah. uh, with you on that. And with, with that said, you know, as you said in the, in, 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 you know, in our podcast as well, most people do not listen with intent to understand. They listen yeah. with the intent to reply, you know, yeah. uh, and, and I think we, as agile coaches, you have to listen more rather yeah. than just want to reply and and be humble and and yeah. and, and learn what's the problem what's yeah. the problem area and then go from there with with the organizations right yeah yeah so in terms of like in terms of the startup stuff we talk about there being different sort of um uh, uh stances in terms of coaching and there's loads of different language for stances but the ones i always use is um consult collaborate coach and character so character is the one we've spoken about a lot just showing being a good human (laughs) showing the right behaviors in the right way but consult is a legitimate stance telling but what i would do is i wouldn't tell them how to do their work and it's not like with a startup i may show them different ways they can generate learning you know different methods to learn with hey you could try this method out or this method out or this method out these all different ways to feed into scrum and to learn from an experience so it's not a case of like we don't have the answers it's a case of uh, i would try and give them tools to help them find their own answers you know you teach you give a man a fish he eats for a day you give someone a fishing rod they'll sell it on ebay and eat for a week but you give them a fishing rod and a love of the sea 
you've got a fisherman, haven't you? You've got a fisher person. You've got, you've someone can fish for life. And so that's why I always think of myself as a coach. I, I need to give practical help now. I need to give some tools to help them in the future. And if I can give them a bit of passion to carry them forward, that'd be fantastic. So they use those tools. That's kind of what I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and what next uh, for you, my friend? I know that you're oh. writing a book. Yes. Uh, well, this, well, this uh, book's written. It's up here, right? So here's my problem. So I've got a book. Right, I wrote it years ago actually. So I, I wrote it years ago. Building, uh, well, there's the first page. Um, it's my worry about it is it had lots of ideas in it, okay, but a lot of the ideas weren't tested, they were hypotheses. Okay, mm-hmm. now what's happened in the last few years is some of these ideas have been shown to be correct, which makes me happy, but that means other people have published them. <laughs> so now the ideas are behind. And some ideas have been shown to be not correct or not so good. And that, that's great to know, but I can't write them in a book because that will get people into trouble. And so I need to do something with this in some way. Um, if anyone out there wants to get in contact with me about it, it'd be fantastic. It was about building effective agile organizations with Scrum. I think I'm going to revisit it. But mm-hmm. at the moment, lockdown's been an absolute killer. I've got two small children, we're all at home together, and I had these grand visions of doing loads of things, and it didn't happen. So my aim in the short term is, this is maybe, that may be 2021, that book. Mm-hmm. My aim at the moment is to write some training courses. So there are some new options available from the Scrum Alliance. Uh, they've reworked how they're doing leadership training. Um, in, I can't remember exact details, but I think they used to be just like random numbers, like you would a certified leader one or certified leader two. Mm-hmm. And what they've tried to do is theme them. So they're going to have sort of a certified agile leadership for teams, like how mm-hmm. do I lead teams? Certified agile leadership for like organizations. Mm-hmm. And I think the third one's certified agile leadership for the enterprise or something. But mm-hmm. it's like three, oh, it's essentials, teams, and enterprise. Because mm-hmm. leadership has to happen at all levels. You can't just train the CEO, though they need to understand how it works, but you can't just train the middle managers because they can't make any change happen. And so it's understand that it's not agile leaders, it's mm-hmm. agile leadership, the skill, not the role, and then, and then different courses to teach at different levels. That really interests me. I did a lot of that years ago and uh, not too long ago, so I want to try and sort of uh, codify some of that in terms of training courses. But I've just got to produce the content now. Yeah, it's all in my head. It's all in my head, but until it gets put down on paper, it's not there. So that's and, also, and also Agile Bear is associated with a lot of um, uh, social work and and, yeah. and also with a with lot of charity work yeah. Um, yeah. And, and colleges and schools as well. Anything yeah. on yeah. that line as well that you are planning? Well, well um, uh, let me just think. I don't think at the moment we were doing a lot beforehand. So we're doing things for like uh, university workers, etc. Trying to, But at the moment, because COVID has stopped all that, um, hopefully that will start back up again uh, as the world starts easing out. But I've been told a lot of places aren't thinking of anything like this till 2021. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking that they're they're sort of put there they're putting autumn aside to sort of dust themselves off and get back up again and then in in the new year uh, so I think we'll see what happens there I know the agile conferences have all paused uh, so I normally speak at those and stuff and um, I think the one in October is moving over to next year so mm-hmm. we've got a year longer to do that as well but yeah so fingers crossed things will start picking up again in the new year. Uh, but till then, I'm going to write some training courses uh, and maybe not look at the book for a bit. <laughs> 
Well, uh, and all the best, all the best for that and, and upcoming um, uh, stuff that you're working on. And yeah. it, it's an absolute pleasure talking to you this morning, my friend. Great to see you. Thanks again. for taking time. And I know we had to change um, a little bit of our time from, you know, managing. And uh, uh, but agile, we were agile. We inspect and adapted and that's what life is isn't it really uh, that's that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a very good ending for for the for the episode <laughs> we, we, <laughs> and, and thanks very much I, it was great, great, great uh, talking to you as always and i look forward to bring you on on more episodes in the show and uh, we're talking about okay no problems good luck with everything hope you go as well take no care problems. cheers bye. bye that's it that's it for the episode two with nigel baker he is an industry expert in agile coaching there were some interesting uh, topics discussed in, in, in this episode. If you want to reach out uh, to Nigel in any form, I'm going to leave all the, link, uh, all the links in the description below. Uh, we have some interesting uh, speakers lined up for our upcoming episodes. Uh, please do subscribe us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify and CastBox. We have been trending very highly on Apple Podcast and CastBox uh, and we got some interesting feedback from people uh, but do uh, watch out uh, on our LinkedIn page uh, on our Instagram page we have some interesting episodes coming up uh, until uh, next time this is Kazim see ya